Chapter 33, A Ride in a Paternoster The Mercedes pulled up in front of the Palatstunai, and Herman noticed in the rearview mirror that the driver was smiling, which Herman assumed was because he was finally able to take the two somewhere without Herman's help. The moment the car came to a stop, Herman and Klaus stepped out of it onto Narodny, which is an avenue that connects the riverbank with the center of town, before stopping a block short of Wenceslas Square, at the heart of this center. The two afterward entered the building and passed the security guard in the foyer. In the lobby, they came upon a Potternoster, which is a contraption that still exists in a handful of buildings in Prague, as well as in other parts of Europe. It works like this. Through a pair of small elevator-like shafts passes a continuous chain of equally small and doorless cabins, whose only light comes from the floors they pass. Each of these cabins can hold two to three people, and they go up in one shaft and down in the other, while moving at a speed that is slow enough for someone, in theory, to climb into or out of one without killing themselves. It's called a paternoster because the chain of cars resembles to many the beads of a rosary, which in turn recalls the alternative name of the Lord's Prayer in Latin. Riding in a paternoster can be disconcerting to many, as it comes with the sense that fate is something no longer under control. It's certainly disconcerting to me, and Klaus must have felt this too. While Herman unhesitantly made his way to the upward shaft, Klaus continued past both while saying, I'll take the stairs and meet you there. You're not afraid of a little paternoster, are you? Herman asked with a smirk. It must have been obvious even to Klaus that this was a joke, but he stopped anyway, and with lots of indignation he spun toward Herman and groaned, It's not fear. They're too slow. Don't worry, Herman assured him. I won't tell anyone you were scared. With his smirk still on his face, Herman stepped into one of the cabins just before Klaus jumped on board as well. The latter must have been recalling the Lord's Prayer because he began softly reciting its words with his eyes clenched closed. Pater Noster, Quiescentialis. Suddenly, Klaus fast-forwarded to the final verse, which asked God to deliver us from evil, and he opened his eyes in fright. Seeing and enjoying this, Herman said to him, I've heard that if you miss the last floor going up or the first floor going down, the paternoster chops off your head as the cabin moves from one shaft to the other. Nonsense, Klaus mumbled as the two approached the second floor but his eyes warily rose to the ceiling. Harmon wanted to chuckle at this, but he couldn't, because as he glanced at the ceiling himself, everything around him changed into the paternoster he and Anna had ridden up in at City Hall on their wedding day. He was back, too, in the suit Mr. Jacobs had made for him, and she was back in her wedding dress, gripping her white rose bouquet. With grins on their faces, the two reached the top floor of the building, and they continued upward, watched by a handful of people in the hallway, who smiled knowingly at the pair while waiting their turn to get into one of the downward cars. 
Not long after this, the couple were in total darkness, and they began kissing in their own private parlor as the cabin shifted from the upward shaft to the downward one. You are my Alpha and Omega, he mumbled to her through his lips. My beginning and end. He further drank in her favorite perfume as the cabin began to descend, while thinking how strange it was that a Jew was paraphrasing revelations, especially at this moment. But the words seemed right. Their kiss was interrupted when light began streaming into the cabin, and Herman saw that he was again riding up in the Palatstunai with Klaus, who jumped onto the third floor at the first chance he got. Herman followed, and the two walked to the last office down the corridor, where stood Mr. Molly's door, which Herman knocked on. Dale came in a female voice from the other side of the door. Herman opened it, and he and Klaus stepped into an office that was so tiny that it reminded Herman of the closet in the Theresienstadt Gendarmerie. Here they saw a large, balding man sitting behind a desk who barely fit in the room. It was almost as if he had been shoehorned inside it. The man smiled warmly at the two, as if he had been expecting their visit, and he rose to his feet to greet them. Antonin Mali, Herman uttered, that is indeed I, the man uttered back, before motioning toward a pair of chairs in front of his desk. Please, gentlemen, have a seat. All three of them sat down, and Herman introduced both Klaus and himself before saying, It's our understanding that you're responsible for the synagogues in Yosefov. Your understanding is correct, Molly informed him. Can you tell us who retained your services, Herman asked. The Jewish community, of course, Molly answered. Herman then asked, Is it safe to assume that the six limited liability companies you represent each represent the six synagogues in Yosefov? You are free to assume anything you'd like, Molly replied. Do you have a long-standing relationship with the Jewish community here, was Herman's next question. I wouldn't exactly say that, Molly confessed. So why would they engage you for this, Herman inquired. You'd have to ask them that, Molly stated. That would be rather difficult under the circumstances, Herman stated back. Yes, it would, Molly replied. It's also our understanding, Herman went on, that last night you gave the keys to the synagogues to a certain SS captain named Kleiner. In this, your understanding is not correct, Molly insisted, with sudden defensiveness. I have no idea what you're talking about. Where are these keys? asked Herman. Actually, Molly contended, I misplaced my set a while back. That's certainly convenient, Herman told them. How so? exclaimed Molly. If you had them in your possession, Herman answered, it would have likely meant that you retrieved them from Kleiner's body after he was murdered. You're right, Molly cried out. It certainly is convenient that I don't have those keys. Can I ask where you were last night, Herman wanted to know next. If this is an official interrogation, Molly mumbled, perhaps I should get a lawyer. You are a lawyer, Herman groaned. 
but not a very good one, Molly quipped. You can either answer our questions here, Klaus growled as he glared at the man, or in the basement of Cherning Palace. But in neither case shall you have a lawyer present, though I can assure you that the questioning would be far more pleasant here. Well, if you put it that way, Molly muttered, what was the question again? Where were you last night, Herman asked, while trying to keep himself from smiling. He was further having a difficult time remaining objective, as he liked Mr. Molly, though he tried not to show this. Home, the man answered. I was home all night. It's on Seletna, by the way. Can anyone attest to your whereabouts, Herman replied. Not a soul, Molly informed him. We believe Captain Kleiner was involved in some kind of conspiracy relating to the synagogues, Herman informed him back. Do you know why he and some other SS men have of late been interested in the buildings? Not only don't I know anything about this so-called conspiracy, Molly declared, again with some defensiveness, but I don't know this Captain Kleiner, or any SS captain for that matter. So you deny that you had a relationship with him, Herman countered. I do deny it, Molly countered back. Are you sure that it was me he implicated? Herman responded by saying, he didn't specify a first name, but... Molly is not such an unusual surname, the man interrupted. I even had a client with that name. I almost got him acquitted, in fact. The murder occurred on the property of one of the synagogues that you're responsible for, Herman grumbled. That still doesn't mean that it was me who committed the murder, Molly asserted. I further deny it was me. You do understand that it looks very bad for you right now, don't you, Herman noted. I understand perfectly, Molly noted back. I'm not that bad of a lawyer. Captain Stamm right now has more than enough cause to drag you somewhere from which you'd unlikely return, Herman remarked. If that was your intention, gentlemen, Molly remarked back, you would have done so already. Very well, Herman murmured as he rose to his feet along with Klaus, who did so with surprise. Just keep in mind that you're our chief suspect. Actually, you're our only suspect. Sir, under a Nazi occupation, everyone's suspect, Molly pointed out. So whether you're the chief one or the only one hardly seems to matter. As much as he didn't want to, Herman had to smile at this before he and Klaus left the office. The two afterwards started down the corridor, though as they approached the lobby, Klaus came to a sharp stop and groaned, I should arrest him. There's no evidence that he's the murderer, Herman groaned back, as soon as he stopped as well and turned to Klaus. Like I told you before, Herman, Klaus snapped. We don't need evidence. We only need a plausible suspect. He even matches the description of the man Kleiner was following last night. If Kleiner had been following Molly, he would have said as much to Colonel Riedel, Herman insisted. He also matches the killer's height, Klaus insisted back. Look, Herman uttered, do you want to find the killer, or do you want to wait until he kills again? Klaus didn't exactly answer. He just glared at Herman with his arms crossed. 
Like Evo, Herman went on while pointing in the direction of Molly's office. He's almost certainly involved in all this. But while he's physically capable of both killing those men and carrying them, and like you said, he's the right height, it just doesn't seem in his nature to commit such brutal crimes. He doesn't seem like the type of person who could be driven toward any type of violence. I think it's better to let him stay loose and see where he takes us. Can you put a tail on him? I doubt Riedel would approve it, Klaus maintained while shaking his head. He's just an ordinary check, Herman argued. Have the local police follow him. Tell them, I don't know, tell them that we suspect him of black market activities or something like that. Tell them anything you want but the truth, or they just may be inclined to help him.